This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Damn, somebody needs some WD over there, buddy. No, I know. You know how hard it is not to recline my chair while we're podcasting the whole time? Just because it makes this wonderful noise. Get a good ab workout sitting there tense. This guy's got everything accessible right next to him. He can, just, he can reach out, turn on his faucet on his sink. He's hey, leaning back hey, in his hey, chair. Hey, stop, stop, stop making callbacks to past episodes. This guy is unbelievable. It's inappropriate. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. You are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil. With me today is Adam, a.k.a. the other FF guy. What's up, Adam? What up, Neil? Also, for two episodes in a row now, we got Josh, a.k.a. <laughs> J.C. Crocker. What's up, man? Hey, I am here. I am here. <laughs> no more calling out sick. And our guest today is CJ, a.k.a. at the Siege DFS. What's up, CJ? What's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, Welcome, man. We're all good. Hey, I didn't want to slaughter the last name. Can you say at the professional correct level? Oh, Colton Bach. It's fine. There we go. So I just didn't want to slaughter it. Um, so first things first, let's I, I always like to get into our guest first, CJ. So we'll start with you, man. You'll be the uh, spotlight here for a second. Um, you've accomplished a lot, obviously, in the world of daily fantasy sports. For those who don't know, um, you run a website, Arbor Pro. Um, you've won a lot of money <laughs> in DFS, uh, money that I couldn't fathom at this point. Um, I just wanted to kind of start with the fact that how, how much have you won and how has it changed your like day-to-day life in that in that aspect? Oh, I honestly would have to go check the numbers. It's not really something I keep an accurate track of, but it's a, it's a ton, obviously. <laughs> um, honestly, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of like the goofball I've always been. Um, it's nice having money in the bank instead of, you know, uh, not having it, but... Honestly, it just it really hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, you know, I just finished law school, so I had a ton of loans. So it's nice to get rid of a ton of those, obviously. So oh, it's, it's been good. I, like, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, it's changed my life like forever. And like, let's be real. If it was, I wouldn't be working like everyone else in the world, right? Um, so, you know, it's been great. But it's, it's not like the, oh, my God. Right, yeah. I understand. You want to remain humble. I get it. I get it. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, so you do have a regular career outside of DFS, correct? Oh hell no. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I run Arbor Pro. That is my job. Right, that's your job. Okay, so Arbor Pro is your job. So let's talk about Arbor Pro then for a second. For those who just don't know, let's just say people are listening, they have no clue what it is. How would you describe Arbor Pro? Like, what is it? What would they be going there for? What is it that you've built there? Yeah. So I think it's two things. I think the first thing is that it. 
on the DFS side, it's a small community of people that really care about each other's success. And, you know, it's it's kind of like your local Slack group, I would say, except it's really well-informed. Um, most of the guys in there have been there, been subscribers for a while, um, kind of know what our process is. And can, it kind of is helpful when, you know, let's say, like, I've had a, you know, other days, like, I have work to do, I hop in the chat, and they're like, oh, you know, CJ's two worst pitchers are on the mound because this, this, and this, and it's really convenient to not have to do the research <laughs> those days. Right. Um, you know, so that's always good to see. Um, yeah, on the season-long side, we have uh, basically some of the highest-stakes players in the world. Um, Nelson Sousa, um, Derek Pearson. I'm forgetting a whole bunch of others right now. Um, and so we just provide season-long advice that's actually good. I, I don't want to trash the rest of the world, <laughs> but let it, let's just say that if you're putting it, – like anything in life, right? If you're doing it for $100,000 a year versus $100 a year – I'm going to go ahead and assume the person that's doing it for $100,000 a year knows more than the person doing it for $100 a year. Right. That's fair. That's fair. And so, is better at it. <laughs> that's fair. So so on the site, when someone signs up, what happens? Like, is it a, is it a chat-based thing? Is it like, what, what exactly is happening when they sign up? Yeah, so we've got um so we've got a whole bunch of things. I mean, first off, we have all of our ranking sets. Uh, Nelson's ranking sets are up there. My ranking sets are up there. Peter. forgot Peter. Peter's ranking set's up there. Um, so three sets of rankings. Um, Nelson's fade list which is not like your standard like 10th rounder to avoid. It's like guys going in rounds one, two, three that you should not be drafting. Um, and it's amazing how many of those guys magically have injuries that show up. You know, for example, Antonio Brown, um, been on our do not draft list all year. And, you know, shockingly, he's a total knucklehead. It comes out like months later after people have <laughs> been drafted in the second round all year. Yeah. Uh, it's, a whole, it's a whole lot of coincidences that maybe aren't so much coincidences on the fade list. Um, so we have that, uh, we've got podcasts, um, draft casts. So like we do drafts as we go and talk about strategy. Um, and we've got a chat room too. If you have questions, you can answer them in there. And then we've got the mentorship program that Nelson started this year, which I once again will say is drastically underpriced, but I, I got outvoted on the price. So, so, be <laughs> so, it. so yeah, I mean, that's a lot of cool features. And I know we were, we kind of, Josh kind of mentioned it before the podcast. What is the Susan mentorship? What, I mean, what's different between that and what you're, you know, was talking about just a second ago. So like, if you have a question, like on a Monday night, let's just say you're setting waivers, you email him and go, Hey, um, this is kind of my roster set. Like, the, like who should I be making a priority in fab? And he just responds to your email and just tells you basically nice. like, this is what I would do in your spot. So it's kind of super personalized attention instead of just like generic. Like most of the time in the chat, like we'll answer questions like that. But sometimes there's just so many, right? You just can't get them all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he, he'll like give you a call, kind of a breakdown of strategy and how to go about the draft room and all that. So it's kind of just like a, I would call it a tutor for failure, for fantasy sports. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Very one-on-one type of stuff. Yeah. You probably got Josh signing up right now. Josh signs up for like everything. <laughs> Josh I mean, if he is, wants to win, you should do it. <laughs> Josh is notorious, man. Anytime I'm looking at uh, we bring up subscription, Josh is like, yeah, I got that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Josh has probably got this already, too. Uh, I probably should be asking Josh, interviewing Josh about it. Um, all right. So, I mean, we, you know, we, we figured, you know, on this episode, we know a little bit about you now. We figured, obviously, preseason you know, week one is, is something we're talking about. So we're going to go into that. We're going to jump into that. Um, we could, you know, be born and just recap it one game after one game and just kind of drone on and on. But instead, we're going to do it the clock Dodgers way, which we're going to mention. I think it's about five players that we have that we feel are res- relevant here that kind of stuck out either in a positive or a negative way. And we're going to kind of just discuss whether we trust them. So, you know, we're, we're kind of feeling, you know, if we're feeling a lack of trust in this relationship, 
or if we're feeling good about them, you know, we're going to discuss how we feel about them. And we can all attack these guys, or if you feel strong about one player over another and you just want to, you know, jump in on that guy, however we want to do this. Um, but we'll start with CJ, since you're the uh, guest here today. We'll start with you. The first player is Steelers wide receiver James Washington. Do you trust James Washington, or do you have some relationship issues with him? Do you have, you have some lack of trust here? Uh, James Washington and I are divorced. <laughs> Already? He, he, Already? He is not coming back in my life. Damn. Now, I, I, I mean, I, if you want to call it divorce or I'm having an affair uh, with his teammate, uh, Deontay Johnson, I, I think you can go either way. I just think Deontay Johnson's the better player. And look, lots of wide receivers are going to burn the Tampa secondary this year. He will not be the first and he will not be the last. I'm not going to get all up in arms because he had one big catch against that secondary. That's going to be a annual, an hourly occurrence uh, uh, during on red zone this year is, oh, look. There's another receiver running right by the Tampa secondary. Right. <laughs> All right. So you have you're 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 out on him. You're totally divorced. This guy. You've already split. I don't know if you had a prenup or not. Does anyone uh, here, Josh? No. He, he took me for everything. Last <laughs> he took year. you for everything. <laughs> Josh, Adam, do either one of you uh, disagree in a major way with him here? Uh, totally agree. How do you guys feel about it? Either one. I of completely you. agree. You completely I, uh, agree. I mean, I'm going back to the camp reports that we've already heard. Dante Moncrief seems cemented as the wide receiver two. Deontay Johnson seems to be competing for that wide receiver three role. And, yeah, like CJ said, I'm not going to get excited about one preseason performance against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL and, you know, their backups at that. So I think it's just it, it's preseason hype. I wasn't on him to begin with, and it's not going to change. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I think most people do. I think the people who are still, you know, big time believers are people who have just invested in them heavily, have talked them up heavily, and they don't want to let go yet. It's kind of like that guy that's talking about his girl so much. You're like, hey, man, I just can't let go of her now. I've already dug myself in this hole. Um, the next one, Josh, I'll let you start on this one since you didn't say anything about James Washington. You're being hush hush about that relationship. <laughs> uh, Bears running back Montgomery. Damn, Montgomery. How do we feel about him, man? Trust issues, uh, or do you trust, trust issues? Oh. Trust issues. I I do not like the 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 idea of a rookie running back coming in to play beside uh, Tariq Cohen, who has shown us to be a very very capable pass catcher. I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get more than you know twenty catches. So you know that pedestrian level pass catch, or yeah, he's going to have trouble getting any work in the passing game. I, I'm not sure what Mike Davis's role is there, but it just seems to me that David Montgomery has volume concerns. I love that answer. I love that answer. CJ, do you disagree with this guy wholeheartedly? I know a lot of people right now are screaming at Josh. I actually kind of thought I was going to be on the uh, the island here of not being a David Montgomery guy, but I, I'm with him. I with have him. a whole lot of concerns here, and it's really the Bears offense in general. Like The reports on Trubisky have been horrible. Like, in camp, you normally don't get bad reports on any player that you actually need to be good, right? So, like, if you actually are counting on the player to be good, like, for example, in Tampa, right, I'm a Jameis guy, but even I'll admit, there's no way anything negative about Jameis was ever coming out in camp. Right. Right? They, they just need him to be good too much to be like, uh-oh, he's in trouble. And the fact that those reports are coming out of Chicago, it's like, that offense wasn't even that dynamic last year. So if he isn't going to take a step, like, 
I think people are just giving too high expectations for the offense. So I, I'm with you on Montgomery. I'm, uh, I, I agree no with both interest. you. I agree with both you. Adam, you're our resident Chicago guy. Do you disagree with these guys? No, I'm in I'm in lockstep. Dang. I uh, I feel the exact same way. Wow. I have not been drafting Montgomery at his ADP. I mean, now he's going in like the fourth round. And I think that, I mean, Josh touched on it a bit, but I think people are underestimating the impact that someone like Tariq Cohen has on on David Montgomery. Um, Scott Barrett did a study on the value of targets versus the value of carries, and he found that for running backs, the um, the value of a target is 2.47 times as valuable as a carry uh, for PPR formats. Now, uh, even with half PPR, you're still going to see almost two times as much value in a target that you're going to see in a carry. So I think that just losing those valuable touches alone is going to be impact enough on him to not have that ceiling that I would want in a player that I'm going to be drafting in the first four rounds. I mean, where he's going, I just think that there's so many other wide receivers in that range that I just feel super confident in that I'm never going to really reach on a player like Montgomery. I, I got to admit, like, I did not expect this from you guys. I thought somebody for sure was going to go. <laughs> I like the wide receiver point. I want, I just, I wanted to echo that. Like there are just so many talented receivers that like when I draft a player in the first four rounds, my question is, is there any way for me to be drafting this player in the top 18 picks next year? If the yeah. answer is no, I'm not drafting the player. Like, there's no road to where David Montgomery is a top 18 pick during draft season next year. Right. Yeah, it's funny because even for me, you know, I seen Matthew Barry had tweeted out the video of him scoring a touchdown last week, this pre- or week one preseason, and he said, remind you of anyone? I said, yeah, it reminds me of Tariq Cohen's backup. And, you know, some people tried to come from my heads. You know, someone even said it was a silly take, and I'm like, all right, I mean, if that's where you want to go with this, but, like, I just didn't see it a big deal about what I said, and I just think it's funny that we all disagreed with it. <laughs> I just, I, I just think people are under are like way over projecting like the number of plays the Bears are going to run this year. It's fair. It's fair. I don't know. I think I, Josh brought it up in a chat that we have, but I think it is very reminiscent of the hype that's behind Sony Michelle last year and the impact that James White had on Sony Michelle's ceiling. Like Sony- I, I think David Montgomery is going to have a very similar sort of season in that he's going to lack that seasonal ceiling but he'll have some boom games here or there where you know when the bears offense is clicking on all cylinders i mean you know we'll get to mitchell trubisky in a minute but when they're clicking on all cylinders they are able to have huge fantasy performances so i think it's not outlandish that he'll have those boom weeks but i think at the end of the season he's going to end up being like an rb3 I'm, I, the Sony Michelle comp really kind of bugs me as a Pats fan. Like, he missed all of training <laughs> camp. I, I kind of think that, like, if he had actually been around in training camp, we would have seen this earlier. And that kind of even goes with reports uh, today that, like, Damian Harris has gotten, like, no work with the ones. And, you know, this this three-way timeshare everyone was thinking about might be a little more two-wayer than we thought. Hmm. Mm, take that. Take that. I feel like Josh has an article coming about this, but... I, I so do. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. Um, you know what? I'll just throw this out there then. Okay, so in the last 10 years, there have been three running backs who have had over 200 carries and fewer than 20 targets. One of them is Tony Michelle. The other the other two are Alf Morris and LeGarrette Blunt. And they, I'll take the over on whatever receptions prop you want to give me right now. Over. 
I don't think he gets over two a game. So 34, 32. I mean, I, I think he can probably beat that number. I'm not uber confident. What did he have last year? Like 12? Yeah, it was, it was he, he, he's gonna bad. smash. He's gonna smash that. Like every 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 reporter during camp is just like, oh, it's another swing pass to Sony Michelle. It's another catch by Sony Michelle. I think Tom Brady's 10 for 10 targeting him. He's the only player left that hasn't had an incompletion yet from Tom Brady in camp. I just feel like we hear this stuff about, like, you know, Jordan Howard staying after and catching passes from the jugs machine and Ronald Jones is eating salad and catching passes. And <laughs> what they- was the last time we got bad info from the Pats, though? Like, normally the info you get from the Pats is good. Like, when was the last time we got, like, really duped by, like, P- Pats reporters? Know. They do have great like, beat I, reporters. They really do. Like, I just... I don't know. I, maybe it's because I'm a fan. Like, I've never gotten duped by them before. And I kind of think that, like, this is kind of real. Like, what news did we – I mean, this is kind of a sidetrack. But, like, what exactly assurances did we have that Damian, Damian Harris was going to be part of the rotation other than we all just assumed it? No, I think he might just be depth. I don't know. I just think that it's going to be hard to get passes away from James White. Hmm. Sonny Michelle has squeezed his way into this. He's not on our list. So that's fair. he does that. <laughs> he, he does squeeze away. I'm not a guy that was high on Sony, but I'm reconsidering after today. Like <laughs> maybe I need to re- go back and relook at my, the workload distribution I had because it could just be way wrong. We shall see. We shall see, guys. That was a nice little sidetrack there. I actually enjoyed that one. Josh getting in here, fighting against Sony. That was fun. All right. Um, the next running back on our list here is Chiefs running back Darwin Thompson, another rookie running back. Well, I've been saying I love for the longest. He balled out a little bit out there in the preseason, which is just preseason. But Adam, let's start with you. Trust issues? Do you have trust issues like you did in Montgomery, or is this a different case here? No, I'm beginning to trust Darwin Thompson more and more. And uh, honestly, I was approaching the Chiefs' backfield and redraft a lot like most people approach New England year after year, which uh, I think is interesting coming right after this Sony stuff. Because for years, New England has always been the backfield where, for whatever reason, the running back that's drafted last seems to be the one that produces the most fantasy points. And with regards to a high-powered Kansas City Chiefs offense, for me it was always in redraft, like, I want the one who's going to cost the least. And I think that this whole time, everyone's kind of had... I shouldn't say everyone, but there's a lot of people who have doubts over Damian Williams' ability to carry any sort of workload. Um, personally, I own Damian Williams in Dynasty and have felt that, for me, Kansas City Chiefs are just all about opportunity. I think that there are a ton of running backs that can be successful in that offense, and if somebody's getting touches, I want those touches. So in Dynasty, it's cheaper to own guys like Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde in redraft it's way cheaper to get Darwin Thompson so he's one of my highest owned running backs in best ball and he'll continue to be because he seems like an electric playmaker he seems like a player who's going to run extremely hard and if he gets the opportunity to have touches in that offense it's I mean it's wheels up yeah he was banging in there on on week one there Uh, CJ trust issues or you trust him I trust him but I trust him as, the, like, an RB2. Like, I don't trust him. Like, I think people are like, oh, he's going to take Hyde's work. I would vehemently disagree with that take. But if you told me that, like, he's going to take most of the work people are projecting for Damian Williams, like, I would believe that. Like, I think Carlos Hyde's role is going to be, like, 10 to 12 touches. 
you know, try to hammer in those ones by the goal line. Um, I, I think that rule for him is going to be pretty set. Like the Kansas City offense is just so good. There's no way he can't perform well enough to keep that role. But I do think Damian Williams is the one that I just never have trusted. Don't trust now. And I think Darwin Thompson's better than a better player than him right now. Interesting. Like, so I would think that like that's the workload that Darwin Thompson can get to easier. So Damian Williams is your least trusted running back there. Um, Adam, you agree? I mean, Josh, you agree? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes me very sad. <laughs> I feel like everyone I, loved Everything Damian was going so well for Damian Williams. And then the hamstring and other guys get worked in in practice. And now it's just all up in the air. I mean, like, even Reed was coming out and saying, he's our starter, he's our starter, he's the, he's the guy. And now it's just 180. Now it's just running back by committee. That's what it is. All right, so we all feel like we, yeah, we've kind of all agreed here so far in every one of these guys. All right, all right, let's see. 49ers wide receiver Dante Pettis. Who feels the most strongly about this guy, one way or the other? Who wants to start? I'm I'll start. I own way too much of him in best ball, and I'm regretting everything, but I'm trying to continue to trust him, <laughs> even though this is like the definition of trust issues. Who'd I tell you to it's get? Like... Who'd I tell you to get, Adam? And who'd I tell you to trust in 49er land? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, Mr. Debo. <laughs> I hear you. I do own a fair amount of Debo, too, so I don't feel that bad. I actually own a ton of Goodwin, too. I've just been, you know, pounding that offense. But yeah, the Dante Pettis thing, I mean, to me, I think that. I'm not the only one who is a little bit blindsided by the reports that he's not looking like he's going to be running with the ones, um, especially with how high he was going in best ball drafts. I mean, he was getting up into the seventh and sometimes sixth rounds. Uh, so I, I know that there were a lot of other people who also thought that he was going to be the wide receiver one there. But I think after the reports that have came out, it, it's kind of impossible not to have some sort of trust issues with this. I mean, yeah. it seems like, San Francisco is trying to figure out what they have at receiver. I think really the only person that can really be trusted in that offense is George Kittle. And ultimately, though, I still really love their offense. So I don't mind buying pieces cheap, but Pettis hasn't really been that cheap. So I'm regretting what I've spent and probably not going to be buying him really unless his cost drops to like the double digit rounds. Interesting. CJ, you agree? Am I the only one that thinks there's almost been too much negative press on Dante Pettis? Like, originally I was like, this is a, a little concerning, like the first couple of reports come out, and now I feel like it's a new one every day, and I'm like, isn't this just kind of overkill at this point? Or are they just really trying to get, like, the kid to, you know, snap, turn on the light bulb here, and opening day he's going to be the wide receiver one, and we're like, why did we believe all this nonsense? It was like every day. Yeah. Like, I, I have trust issues, but it's almost become, like, so negative that there's no possible way he could possibly be this bad. <laughs> it's a really good point. It does feel like one of those rare situations where it's, like, a coach trying to get into a player's head. Like, yeah, it's it's not certain he's going to be a wide receiver or a starting wide receiver on this team. Like, we're still trying to figure out what we have. Like, it really does sound like it, it's a motivating factor, especially when you look at – like, the players that are being talked up there are the rookies and the youngest players on the team. So, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely some truth to that. I was a huge Trent Taylor guy. I was about ready to just start firing the 18th round that he broke his foot, like, right on cue. Like, literally right as I was driving to Illinois to start playing a ton of best balls and drafting the 18th round, he broke his foot. So I had to turn around and come back. <laughs> 
Josh, man, you agree? Like, is this one of those situations, man, where people keep saying your girl's cheating on you and it's not really happening? It might not be true. I, I definitely have trust issues, but he he's he showed us something last year, and I just have to wait that more than what we're hearing now. I think down the stretch last year in games where he actually got like over fifty percent of snaps, he had something like a seventeen percent target share, and I just I don't think that's a fluke. I, I take that with more. You know, I weight that heavier than camp news at this point. Josh likes himself a fix him upper. Gotcha. All right, man. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> the last one we're going to go to, we all kind of we kind of mentioned him earlier. I'll let CJ start on this one because he felt passionate about it earlier. At least it seemed like you did. Bears QB, Mitchell Trubisky. Trust issues or do you trust this man? I obviously don't trust him. So if anybody wants to make the trust argument, you can go first. I want to trust him. I want to. I'll throw. Him. I'll throw out the trust argument. All right. There we so, go. Here's my trust argument for him because I think that Mitchell Trubisky is worthwhile, mostly in best ball because I think that he's going to be extremely unpredictable. But last year, other than Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky posts the most QB one weeks. He has that insane ceiling when things do click for him. In that offense, they click in a really strong way. And that is going to be an offense that's going to run a lot of, you know, air raid schemes. They're going to be looking to push the ball downfield. And if they can figure things out like they did last year, they will have those moments where he'll have these huge game-winning weeks. Which for me, at quarterback, that's all I'm trying to identify. I mean, the quarterback position is so deep anymore that all I want from my quarterback is the potential to win a week. And in you know the late rounds where he's going, as a QB2 or a QB3, especially in best ball, he just gives that elite ceiling that I think a lot of players in that range just don't offer. I mean, first of all, QB3 in best ball should never be a thing. So we'll just eliminate <laughs> that right now. Um, here's the problem with everything you just said, and I'll start with the, when things are right. Well, the problem is there. It's now week one or week two of uh, preseason, and they're already dumbing down the playbook. And we saw that they became really predictable in the second half, and they also did, weren't as effective in the second half. Which, by the way, which is really all you care about in fantasy is the money weeks, the playoff weeks, right? Weeks 13, 14, 15, 16. Would you like your starting quarterback to be playing in Chicago when it's 15 degrees out with the wind blowing and during a, a week where you need him to perform well to make money? I certainly do not. Um, like maybe he's a nice regular season quarterback, but that's not what I'm playing the game for. I'm playing here to win the money in the big, in the big playoff weeks. So he's really never going to be a guy I feel confident in December in Chicago so or Green Bay. So it's just like, why? Listen, guys. People... Why, take on, why, why take on all the risk of him just being terrible? Because that's what he's been so far in his career, for the most part. What, what, what I like about this right now in our trust issues segment here is that a lot – a lot of this seems like, you know, guys that everyone was liking a week ago, then they hate them this week. Even the Bears as an offense, as a team, people were beating the drum as I'm like a Super Bowl team. And now we're all of a sudden like, their offense sucks. They're not that great. Da, da, da. And it's like, you know, that's, I, I like how trust issues exposes how quickly we change and how our how – I, I got to say, I hated all these guys before. So the good news is there is no consistency issues over here. All right, all right. All these are, right. These, by the way, I think every single one of the guys we did, other than Mitchell Trubisky uh, – May or may not have been on a fade list uh, of ours. Nice. Just saying. I'm saying Josh uh, may have had that subscription. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> he might have pulled them right off the fade list. No. Uh, all right. So listen, 
after that, I feel like we just did some good re- relationship counseling, guys. I feel like that was a good session for us. Um, I feel more confident in my feelings now. I'm glad that we were all able to share our, our feelings with each other. Um, so confident that I want to move on to our rankings that we do here where we, we basically take a group of players, three players, and we rank them which way we like them best. You know, this guy, that guy, that guy last. Um, so feel free to jump in again, How just like we did in the last segment. However you guys feel, if you feel strongly about something, jump right in. Otherwise, I'll just start calling names and we could do it that way. Um, so rank them. The first one, we'll let CJ go first, though, because he is our, our special guest today. Um, the first group that we have, and we just rank them from your favorite to your least favorite, uh, wide receivers Curtis Samuel, Sammy Watkins, and MVS in Green Bay. Samuel is like 15 greater signs greater than the next one on that list. Nice. Uh, MVS or Watkins. Uh I guess the rule is when in doubt, don't take a Packer. So I'll take Samuel Watkins <laughs> over MVS. So Samuel Watkins, MVS. Does anyone considerably disagree here? or I just want to ask, Will, whoever the wide receiver two is in Green Bay, do you think they'll be relevant? Are you buying anybody there? This is the, this is the offensive coordinator last year when he was with Tennessee that couldn't figure out that Derek Henry was better than Deion Lewis. <laughs> I really don't have – and he got a promotion. I'm really not exactly all too inspired by investing in this offense. Okay. Devontae Adams, baby. That's all it is. I, I just uh, – you would have to think the teams in that division will just go, let's just triple cover him and make Aaron Rodgers throw to someone else. He's so stubborn, he'll just throw in the triple coverage. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, I, I agree with how you ranked them. Does anyone disagree with how you ranked them? Because I agree with Not, that. Okay. I have the exact same order as well. Although I do have Sammy and Curtis Samuel closer, which I'm sure CJ would lose his mind over. But uh, but I, I think that if Sammy can stay healthy, that just the power of the Kansas City offense. And also what he did in that offense when he did play and how often he was targeted in that offense, I think that he does present a lot of upside if he can stay on the field. Sure, and if, if money starts falling from trees, we'll all never have to work again. <laughs> so I, I don't invest in sports injury predictors. <laughs> Boo, Sammy Watkins. Boo, Sammy Watkins. All right, the next one, uh, whoever feels more comfortable with this one, we're going to go Cooks, Edelman, Godwin. Anyone feel sure? I've been taking them just like they are right there. Cooks, Edelman, Godwin. I really like Cooks' second year with the Rams and the possibility of him just – you know getting past that first year with the team maybe actually being able to show us what he can really do and then i think edelman is discounted too much for you know it's it's injury concerns but if you look at that offense and what they have now i feel like edelman has a big opportunity in front of him so cooks edelman godwin just like that you know how bad i want to put godwin in the front I have Godwin in the front. I have yeah. Godwin first. Does that make you feel good? Yeah, it does not, make me feel good. It's not particularly close. Yeah. I, I am What's all, your case I am for that? all in on Team Godwin. Um, really good player. Offense is going to just be throwing the whole time. He's really good. Um, was really happy to see that touchdown in preseason was a garbage bubble screen. Not going to get too much hype on that. So hopefully he doesn't keep scoring them. Um, I, I'm a huge believer. I would have him way above the next two. Like I think I have him 10 or 12 spots apart. I actually was trying to pull up my rankings really quickly to see where I actually ranked. I just did a new 150. And so this is re- actually, I need to make a couple changes, but it's pretty up to date. CJ's just my favorite person. I have Godwin at number 27 overall. Edelman checks in next at 33, and that's probably a smidge high. 
and then I got Cooks at 38. I just my problem with Cooks is the route tree that he runs with the Rams. Like it's a lot of deep stuff, and I'm just not really sure that it's ever going to be consistent. Like he's obviously a way better player than Ted Ginn, but he just runs routes that are just so deep it's hard to be consistent. Okay, so this is interesting. So this is getting juicy. So you got Godwin first. Josh has Cooks first. You have Cooks last. So you guys are total opposites on this, on Godwin and Cooks. I'm I, I'm probably like the the Godwin truther in the world. So like <laughs> I'm probably the outlier there. But I just think so. Josh, so do you see any world where his Godwin over Cooks and Edelman comes to fruition? Uh, you know, I think I feel like Godwin has the upside of being a top. 15 guy i feel i feel like that's top really 15 he's it. top 15 right now oh no way yes but like, he's not even the number one on his team how much volume <laughs> is going to be there for him i know a that ton. i know that the bucks a throw ton. a lot the have you seen yards, their defense that but hold on <laughs> teams don't throw more because of bad defense they throw more because they're good at throwing they're, they throw more because they're in competitive games and they're down and that's what Tampa Bay is either going to – Tampa Bay's options to win games are shootouts or lose. Those are the options. They're not going to win 14 to 10 games at any point during the season. So they're going to be not – they're not going to be running out the clock. They're not – those situations just aren't going to be happening for this team. Like they're either going to be no, they, behind in throwing or in a one-score game in throwing. And also, by the way, they're very good at throwing and they can't run block and save their lives. So they're going to throw. And they're going to throw some more. I, I mean, maybe I'm just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers champion over here, and that that could be. But I just don't see a world in which like they're just not throwing all the time. So if they're going to be throwing all the time, and this literally featured Edelman, do you think that Chris Godwin out targets Julian Edelman, who personally I would actually rank the highest of these three myself? Oh, I, I think there's enough competition in New England for targets that he doesn't. I think Godwin gets more targets just because I think Tampa Bay's like if you did, if we're talking target percentage, I think Edelman's target percentage would be higher, but I just think Tampa Bay is going to run just so many more pass plays that he's going to have more targets in the end. Hey, all three of you guys are totally different on this one. I love it. Who put this one together, Josh? Good job, Josh. Yeah, I think so. Good job, hey, Josh. CJ, what do you think about Galladay versus Godwin? I'm guessing you've got Godwin way ahead of Galladay. Oh, I have Galladay. I have Galladay well below all three of these My guys. My guy. My guy. You're killing Josh right now. Josh is freaking, freaking out. It's the Lions offense. They're terrible. Their offensive plate calling is stuck in, like, the 1980s. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I just Galladay's, Galladay's target share has the chance to be, you know, north of 27%. Godwin. On, 10, on 10 passes a game, that's not going to do a <laughs> He's not going to throw 10 passes a game. Uh, point taken, but. I get it. He's such a freak talent, you don't want to pass on him, but the offensive situation is just so bad. And again, that's an awful division, too. It's just like, you have to go outside to Green Bay, and you have to go outside to Chicago. It's just like, eh. Also, I, let me just run this idea by you. If, if Gurley is uh, just diminished in some way, do you think that that raises the ceiling for the Rams wide receivers? No, because they're just going to use Daryl Henderson. So you think they just plug another guy into the, the same role and keep it? Yeah, like their offense is awesome. Like they don't really need to change anything. Like maybe they should get their tight end involved a little bit more with Everett this year. But like that's like the one complaint I would have, and it's like pretty minor. 
I feel like that's what beat them in the Super Bowl, though, was just saying, okay, we're just going to do the thing we do. And the problem the, is they couldn't do the thing they could do because they didn't have Todd Gurley. That's so why maybe, they went out and traded two trap picks for Daryl Henderson and they matched an offer sheet on Malcolm Brown. It's because they couldn't rely on C.J. Anderson as an option in the playoffs. That's what happened. Ooh, C.J. Anderson shade. I, I think Sean McVay might want to evolve. I think he might want to show us something new. Also now should also stop being a, a wuss in the playoffs. But... <laughs> He needs to be more like John Gruden. That's Sean McVay doing. listens to this podcast, so I want you to know that. <laughs> I was going to say, I highly doubt Listen. he does, but I think he would have <laughs> Damn, Shay on the Clock Chargers podcast. He oh, highly doubts he I, does. I, I, I'm just being honest. I'm just Damn. saying, like, even if, if, you, if, if yeah, you know, God bless if it's true, but, <laughs> right, I mean, like, you never know. Maybe it just comes across his feed one day or Twitter is a very mean place. Who the hell knows? But I think he would admit that his play calling in the playoffs was bad. It was bad. Like, you know why the Patriots didn't try to score? Because they knew the Rams had no chance. No chance of scoring, basically, at any point in the game. Like, I was never worried. It was like, we're up, I was like, as soon as we score a touchdown, I was like, we win. It's over. Like, they might get one. Maybe. Like, they just they, they couldn't do anything because they didn't have a dynamic running game. So I, I, I wouldn't overreact if I'm the Rams. I just would make sure that my team's ready to go come January, February, instead of trying to win regular season games. Just, just to make sure that our rankings help nobody here, I'll go Godwin, Cooks, Edelman, just to make <laughs> sure we went every single way possible. Uh, so figure that out, <laughs> listeners. All right. The next one and the last one that we have for the rankums is Ronald Jones, Justice Hill, and Duke Johnson. Who hasn't gone first? Adam, have you gone first? I don't think so. And this is actually the most fun one to me because – I think I actually like these guys in reverse order of their ADP. Um, I own the most Justice Hill, so I would say that if I'm gonna, if this is like a confidence ranking, I, I'm gonna rank Justice Hill the highest. I think he has the most uh, opportunity of the three, uh, which is kind of tough to say because I think Ronald Jones, I guess, would potentially have the most op- opportunity if he was able to seize it. But I just I don't see it happening. And uh, Josh would probably argue that Duke Johnson does. So I'm sure this is going to be another uh, fun, controversial one. Yeah, I was going to say. But yeah, I mean, for me, they go in reverse order of ADP. I have the most confidence in Justice Hill, then Duke Johnson, and then probably the least in Ronald Jones. Yeah, I know all three of us love Justice Hill. I don't know how CJ feels about him, but I know Josh is not going to like that Duke Johnson go after Justice Hill, are you? I mean, I've got my ranking, dude. Is it my turn to go? Go ahead. Okay, so I would go Duke Johnson way ahead and then Justice Hill, Ronald Jones. Uh, Duke Johnson has an RB1 season under his belt, and I don't see I don't see a lot of reason why that can't be the ceiling in Houston. He, he's had 50, 60, 70 targets every season that he's played. I, I'm sorry, but I expect the same thing to happen, especially if Kiki Kuti is not healthy. And then Justice Hill is the, the number two back, as I see it, in, a, in an offense that has more rushing volume than Mark Ingram can handle. So he's going to get opportunity, and I think he's going to make Mark Ingram look really slow. And then Ronald Jones is just – he's Ronald Jones. Yeah. I don't even so – I, So I agree with Josh on this one. I agree Duke, Justice Hill, Ronald Jones. I also agree with you on how, you, how highly – you feel of Duke Johnson. I'm curious if CJ, he's Josh and me feel like Duke has RB one potential 
this season. How do you feel about that? So I would go Ronald Jones, Justice Hill, Duke Johnson. Oh, man. <laughs> this is awesome. So Explain. let me first start with the Duke Johnson shade because I think this is the part where I went – like I heard the trade and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Duke Johnson's going to get all this work. I load up my projections for Houston. I take out you know, Donta Foreman. I plug in Duke Johnson and I try to give him 50, 60 catches and I'm off by like 30. And I'm like, okay, let me shave off, you know, five off Cootie, five off Fuller, five off Cockins. Okay, now I'm at like 40 catches. And I'm like, really can't go any lower with any of these guys because they're all going to play. They're all established in the offense. And I can't just cut, start cutting Lamar Miller like any far than I already have cut him because it's Lamar Miller. Like, I'm already probably low on Lamar Miller touches. There really just wasn't anywhere for Duke Johnson to find the ceiling. Like, if Cootie, I guess, misses a month, okay. But Duke Johnson's hurt with a hamstring, and he's not practicing with the team, and he's not learning the playbook. And it could be week four or five before he figures out what the hell's going on. Um, I think if they had wanted Duke Johnson so badly for the price they paid, like, they could have done that probably a month and a half ago or two months ago and had him there the whole time. So they didn't really want him that badly. It just thought the foreman was so bad that they didn't have a choice, right? So I'm a little bit more skittish on the Duke Johnson opportunity. I'm not quite sure he's going to be on the field as much as people think he's going to be. Now, if Lamar Miller was to get hurt, obviously, you know, sky's the limit. Um, Ronald Jones, again, I I think last year, um, this is one of the things Nelson's talked about on, on a lot of his podcast appearances, is that Ronald Jones was out of shape last year. Um, matter of fact, it actually was with Fantasy Mansion, and Ronald Jones' agent hated the talk so much he tried to get the video taken down for, for copyright infringement, which was <laughs> obviously a bogus claim. He just didn't like what was being said about his client. You think he's going to do that if it wasn't true? Who, right? Who, who did that? It was uh, Fantasy Mansion and Nelson. It was, it was like May. And it's, if you go search his YouTube clips for Ronald Jones, I'm sure it will pop up. Okay. Um, but he just was out of shape last year, didn't care. He was the youngest rookie in the NFL. And that matters, right? You know, you're trying to be an adult. And you're a young kid coming out of L.A. at USC uh, to the NFL and to Tampa. Guess what? It's going to be a culture shock to you. Um, offseason reports have been much different. In shape, caring. New coaching staff, which I think is the big thing here. We all have this bias off of how bad and disappointment of Busty was last year. This coaching staff doesn't have that, right? They're coming in this with a, with a clean slate. You know who's bad at football? Peyton Barber. He's bad at football. We all know this. He was the worst running back yards per carry by like every metric you can possibly imagine. So, and Ronald Jones has talent. So I think Ronald Jones is the one that has the most likely to hit an RB1 this year of the three. Justice Hill is a guy that I just haven't been on, and it's because I just haven't really been on the Baltimore offense. I just don't know if it's that good, and that division just isn't going to run a whole lot of plays. Like Cincinnati is going to try to be slow. Baltimore is going to try to play slow. Cleveland's going to try to play fast, but I'm not quite sure how they're going to be able to do that with their own line issues. Pittsburgh will try to play decently fast. But again, same situation, you know. In December, do I want, you know, Justice Hill against the Cleveland Browns defense in windy Cleveland? Eh, probably not. So give me the guy who's going to play in the nice warm weather, either in Domes or Carolina or in, or in Tampa Bay. Hmm. Ronald Jones. I wasn't expecting Ronald Jones to be listed first by anybody, but I guess I should have expected it. If 
from you, CJ. The way this Bucks thing has has played out. I, this I, I was gonna say, there's, I'm waving a Tampa Bay Bucks flag over here. Basically, I, I see need that. that one. I that's that. basically. I mean, it just I'm all in on this Tampa team this year. Hmm. Yeah, you're talking about Tampa. Like uh, we we well, Josh and I like to talk about Arizona, or yeah. I think the fantasy community at large seems to be talking about Arizona. Tampa's gonna, but Tampa, Tampa might, seems to be the other. Tampa darling. might run more plays in Arizona, and I'm high on Arizona. Too. <laughs> and I love Arizona. I think they might make the playoffs, but. Like I, I think Tampa might run more plays than them. Don't don't get these Kyle Murray fanboys going off on you, man. They're they're, they're, I, I, they're I, I, at the I just said Arizona's going to make the playoffs. How could they get mad at me? You said Tampa's going to run more plays. They, they're not hearing this. <laughs> these two are not hearing this. I mean, I I think I I mean that's that's no disrespect to the number of plays. I love Cliff Kingsbury. If I hear one more time, by the way, that his offense doesn't work in the SEC when he was at Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel and it was first in total rushing passing. Points scored, total yards. I don't really want to hear it. I keep hearing it, and it's not true, and it's driving me nuts. So I am trying to spread the word. The offense worked in the SEC. It broke the SEC. <laughs> uh, you saved yourself from these guys going crazy. But CJ, he was like a 500 coach. Oh yeah, because he's because he was at a school in the middle of nowhere in Texas and couldn't get any real talent to go there, and he still got into 500. Uh, he should no. You know it's a bad idea when lots of other better programs are trying to hire your guy as a head coach. The moment you fire him, it's <laughs> it, probably not a smart firing decision. <laughs> probably not. Probably not, kid. All right, that was actually it for the rankum. I don't. We don't have any other rankums. That was it. So we've done rankums. We're knocked out. All right. The only segment we really have left here is foul or no foul, uh, which I'll explain in a second. But before we move on to that, I do want to say you threw some shade at AB earlier, man. I'm a Raider fan. I'm not cool with it. I'm not cool with it. I have to to get this grievance off before we move on. Okay. uh, Other than being a total knucklehead, hasn't practiced, it says the new helmet's going to cost his vision, which is already making an excuse for decreased performance. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the hell you would like. uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly what you're expecting. Okay. So all all of that aside, where do you think he ends up then? Where, Where do you feel he is as a wide receiver in fantasy? Below Chris Godwin. What? Yeah, I can't do it. I can't agree with that, man. I love Godwin, but I can't do it. So you're saying he's you? Have, where did you have Godwin at? Fifteen? Uh, I can tell you. I gotta count. Because you're saying AB's outside the top fifteen. One, two, Am I the only one hearing this? <laughs> Does anyone else agree with this? There's no I way. Chris AB Godwin no. Is, I have Chris Godwin wide receiver eleven. I don't care if you wear as a friggin' leather Jesus. helmet. Like that's fine. It's just a ceiling projection. I don't care if uh, AB. I don't think eighty. I don't think eighty-five catches for like. Let's see. I actually let me pull them up. It's, listen, uh, listen. You can give AB 80. a leather helmet and he can run barefoot and he'll still outbeat Godwin. Have you seen Derek Carr throw the football? I have. I'm a believer. He has been throwing the football to nobody though. Like, all of these criticisms yeah, about does. Derek he Carr. It's exactly right. All of these criticisms about Derek Carr, about how far he throws the ball. We know that ADOT belongs to wide receivers. He's throwing the ball to nobody. Tell yeah, him again. There's, no way, there's no one around where he throws the football. It's a good point. No, he's an accurate wide receiver. Derek Carr is an accurate wide receiver who Quarterback. has had no supporting cast. <laughs> and we have Probably already seen what guys like Tyree Kill did for Alex Smith. We have, we have even seen Andy Dalton have a top five season. Derek Carr has potential with weapons. I think you are really smoking the homerism uh, over there. No, Josh, is, Josh even, isn't the homer. That's the crazy part. 
I, you guys are nuts on Antonio Brown. Like, I have 180 best balls. I think I have one Antonio Brown. It was a misclick. Mm. You're gonna, Actually, you're gonna here, here's a good best ball question for you, CJ. Since you're so high on Godwin, what is your ownership like of someone like Chris Godwin? Because you're obviously much higher than the field on him. So I've got to assume it's got to be one of your highest owned, if not your highest owned wide receiver. He's not yet. He will make it there. <laughs> okay. So who's above him? Uh, Who do you have more owned than him? A lot of players, but oh, that's because okay. I realized I just was drafting him too low. Like I didn't want to be the guy that was setting the market on Chris Godwin and pushing him up, push like into like I'll draft him the third round. So like I was didn't I didn't really want to be the trendsetter on Chris Godwin, but I've kind of just realized over the last couple of weeks like I just kind of need to have more exposure. Like I'm not at twenty. Like I need to get to like twenty eight percent. I'm probably like at twenty now. So like. I'm just gonna have to keep drafting him for a while. We'll revisit this, CJ. We'll revisit this. But plant that flag, dude. I love AB it. AB over Godwin, man. I'm telling you. We'll see. We'll see. What's on. I don't even think I'm. That's a good hot take. I should bring that one on Twitter. I really you like. Should. But people, uh, Twitter right now is gonna be so down on Antonio Brown. It's true. I need a couple good news stories, and then I can come out and say that. And I mean, they're down on that. everything. Every poll I put up, they're they're down. So don't worry. But yeah. that, I know that's, that's why I have to wait. I have to wait until yeah. like the, like he actually shows up to a practice with yeah. a legal proof helmet, and then we'll go from there. I just had to stake my claim. I had to, I had to let it be known. I couldn't let that go. I had to wait till the end. Just telling the truth, man. If you don't draft Antonio Brown this year, you're going to feel really good about yourself. <laughs> don't believe him, guys. All right, listen. So, all right, we finished spanking the rankings over here. <laughs> so that means it's time for foul or no foul. CJ, since you're probably not familiar with foul or no foul, what this is, I'm gonna. Th- I only have four today. I'm gonna throw out statements that I have here. If you agree with the statement, there's no foul. It's it's all good. You agree with it. If you disagree with the statement, it's a foul. So you're like throwing a penalty, a flag on a play, whatever. However you want to look at it, it's a foul. All right, so we'll let you start. Um, the first statement we have here is Dak Prescott is worth 30-plus million per season. Foul or no foul? <laughs> uh, can we get, like, multiple red flags and yellow flags <laughs> on the field for this one? Big I time heard, foul. I heard that report, and I was like, what is his agent thinking? His agent should be like begging him, knocking on his door, climbing through his chimney to make him sign that contract. It's, it's Dak crazy. Prescott. You're not that good. What are you doing? Take the money and run. Yeah, and, and I get like that the QB, you know, salary goes up every year. And so, you know, we got to. You, you have know, to be good. He's not even. Is yeah. he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Are we even that sure? I don't know. I don't know where we put him. The guy can't. Make, the guy's awful against his own defenses. He's like literally dead last in every passing offensive category against his own defenses. Yeah, he definitely like, shouldn't be in the top ten paid. I wonder how Cowboy fans feel about it. I feel like they're just gonna be like, yeah, give him all the money. I, you know, I looked at Twitter and they seem to be like, hell no. Oh yeah, I'm surprised. I was surprised too, but I think it was a very responsible opinion from a fan base I didn't know could be that responsible. They're usually not. They want to pay Cooper money, so they don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, uh, Josh. Foul or no foul? I think he's doing the right thing to just try to negotiate it up. He, I imagine he's willing to sign something less than forty million. But yeah, I think he should. I think he should see what he can get. Do you think he's worth it? Is the question. Do I think he's worth thirty million? Yeah, mm. I think Dak Prescott is a uh, maybe not remarkable, but uh, a good QB. I think he's gonna have a long career in the NFL, and he's worth thirty million. Adam, you gonna back up your boy here? No, <laughs> no. I think it's a foul. I ultimately, I, I don't know if I'm as far down on Dak as CJ is, but it's just he was, you know, he was a third round quarterback. He is more than they ever expected him to be, and that's great. But he isn't this player that 
you could just I mean, look around the league. The teams that are paying quarterbacks the most money are not winning. It doesn't correlate. So when you have a player like Dak that was drafted low, you have to be trying to force that contract down as low as possible, even if you think he's a potential franchise quarterback. What I think is kind of interesting is I'm really, really curious if there's going to be some weird situation where Zeke and Dak like team up and hold out together unless they both get the contracts that they want. Um, I, I'd be intrigued to see that because right now what we're seeing from NFL running backs is that they're really fighting to get their, you know, fair share, if you will. But if they're just doing it by themselves, they're never really going to have any leverage. I'm super curious if there's any off chance that Zeke and Dak more or less work together towards getting, you know, new contract agreements going into not necessarily this season, but going into next season and see if there's any sort of correlation between, you know, the two of them actually working together in some way. If Zeke holds out this year, by the way, it doesn't play. I'm going to make all the money. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of Tony Pollard. I, my highest owned player by leaps and bounds. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That's an interesting thought, though, Adam, about Dak holding out with his running back on purpose. Let's think about that. Be interesting. All right, the next one. Uh, you know, I throw all kinds of questions in here. These are not all sports related. Um, we'll let we'll let Josh go first on this one. When you place an order for food, Josh, that you're picking up, you're picking it up. There's no need to tip. Foul or no foul. I tip. I tip just because like you're gonna feel bad about not tipping. What's the two or three bucks? Like that's all it has to be. Is just just a minimal, you know, two three dollar tip. Everybody's happy. You walk away. It's fine. <laughs> you sound like just you do. do it. You sound like you do that out of discomfort. You don't want to be judged. It, it makes you did not sound like that was a moral conviction. You sounded very like judged. Like I don't want to be judged for this. Yeah, yeah Neil I, I heard feel. the white guilt in your yeah, voice while you said it. I heard it. <laughs> Yeah, it makes me feel bad to give someone zero tip, even if all they're doing is putting my food in the bag and giving it to me. I I can give them a dollar or two. Okay. Do you tip at McDonald's? (laughs) No, I don't. They do the exact same thing that you're just stating. They cook your food, they put it in the bag, and they hand it to you. You're right. Mm. I I don't do it. They don't. I guess it's because they don't expect it there. So I don't do it. Ah, expectation. Now we're getting into the root of it. It's all white guilt. Here's the problem with it, with the the not tipping thing, right? So like if it's like a restaurant, like it's normally the bartender that's doing it and you're taking time away from the bartender, right? And like working the bar, obviously, like making people drinks is really profitable. So yeah, like sign me up as the guy that tips a couple bucks. No foul, no foul. And Adam's like, hey, I don't know about that. Adam's like, "I I don't tip Burger King, buddy. Well, your wording was like I don't, I don't do tip, I don't tip the tip. soda maker. Like, is it a requirement to tip? And yeah. I think it's not. Yeah. I also tip a lot of times when I pick up food, but I think tipping is one of the most untalked about things in our culture. Where it's like I don't understand how we came up with what jobs we tip and what jobs we don't. It blows my mind. Like I don't understand how. Like I get a haircut and I tip that person. That to me really makes sense. Because I want them to do a really good job, and I feel like doing a good job deserves, like, an extra reward. But there are so many things that we, like, don't tip that doesn't make sense to me. 
that I, I don't know. For me, it's always been like this weird balancing act where like I, I just I'm super curious where the even the concept of tipping started and, you know, how we've socially decided which jobs we tip and which jobs we don't. I need to do a podcast on tipping. <laughs> we don't tip the mechanic when they fix our car really well. Right. Mm. That's because you never know if it's going to be done right. Then you have That's to go true. back. And That's true. That's true. Your shit starts leaking. You're like, yo, I want my tip back, bro. All right, all right. So tipping's a, a, a gray area. It's a gray space for us here, fellas. Let's move on to number three. TV shows should only be released as whole seasons at a time rather than once per week. Foul or no foul. Uh, CJ. Oh, boy. Um, I love binging shows. But, like, for network TV, that would just be impossible. So no foul on the play. But, like, if you're a streaming service... None of this, none of this week to week nonsense. You got to drop it all at once. I need to have, I need to be able to binge it if I want to binge. I agree. I can't stand the week to week shit. Adam, Josh, either one of you like to suspend? Hundred percent agree. <laughs> drop it all at once. Death to the networks. <laughs> Netflix there, forever. Yeah, there's nothing better than streaming shows. Uh, last weekend, I binged through the newest season of How to Get Away with Murder, and it was glorious. Like no spoilers. I, Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare. <laughs> it's such a good show that I don't know really anyone who watches, so I wouldn't dare spoil it for somebody because I've been trying to get people to watch this damn show for like five years. But yeah, I mean, that I don't know why. I might be the only one. I hope I'm not. But the feeling of like binge watching a series that you really enjoy, there's like nothing like it. It's like a roller coaster ride. Like I get so excited about it. It's silly, but. I really do. I mean, I, I love that feeling of just like wanting to go into the next episode because the last one left you with, you know, such like such an anxious excitement. I, I, I mean, I, I, you get me to think about the Netflix binge I have going on as soon as we're done recording. Like, I just got to get right back to it. <laughs> I was, I, I was hoping I was hoping one of you were going to sound like a serial killer. Like, yeah, I really like the suspense of waiting week to week for episodes. <laughs> and I would assume that you also take cold showers. Um, let's move on to the last foul or no foul that we have. It's totally okay to knowingly drive off with a larger bag of food that you did not order at a fast food drive through Foul or no foul. <laughs> and this is not from experience. I did not do this today at Burger King. <laughs> foul or no foul? Who I mean, it's no foul because they're just going to throw the food out anyways <laughs> if you give it back to them. Will they really? So, yeah. They 100%. Have to. They have Damn, to. savages. Yeah. Okay. So like it's no foul. Like for me, it's just like it's going to be wasted if they don't. If it's not now, once they hand it to you, like they can't use it again. So like it's no foul at that point. You may it may, you may as well enjoy it instead of somebody else Damn. or like the trash can, I guess. You just broke this whole question, man. You get you got it. This is you brought the law into this thing, man. I didn't know it was a legal thing. <laughs> I didn't know it was a legal thing. So I didn't commit a crime. I didn't have to feel good about today. Damn it. I thought I did something. I <laughs> no, felt, you, you, you just know. got lucky for all the times they get your order wrong. Like, this is not yeah, like a bank I, error in your favor in Monopoly. That's yeah, I thought I was like. sticking it to the man. I thought it was Grand Theft Auto. I got one star above my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, baby. Stole that meal. I stole that Whopper, baby. And I didn't. That's cool. Have you guys all done this? Or am I, like, the only one? I don't think that's ever happened to me. Really? I would be afraid that I didn't want the crap they ordered. 
Yeah, I was kind of pissed off about that. I really wanted my onion rings. No, I, I am the asshole, though, that occasionally will go shopping and realize there was something on the bottom of my cart that I didn't check out oh. after I already go through the self-checkout, and I just leave. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that's a bad look. Yeah. I you don't know, care about that It's definitely all. happened. I don't know if you guys have Publix is where you are, but there's a store here called Publix. It's a grocery chain. And the funniest thing is, like, whenever you're on the line, I'm sure they're just trained to do this, but, like, if you have something in the bottom of your cart, you'll hear the person who bags the stuff say to the person cashier, you got the water. And I'm like, hey, bro, I already told him. I already told him the water's there. Like, made me feel like I'm trying to steal here. You got the water? <laughs> they whisper, like, did you get the water? It's like, I heard you, bro, and I already told them. Like, <laughs> I know that like, it probably happens so much that they have to do this, but, like, I just feel like, oh, Yo, you're accusing me of stealing your fucking water, bro? Like, I already said it. Like, I don't know. just bothers me a little bit. But It's always the bagger that comes in, like, dipped halfway through the order and then sees it. It's like, yeah. Come yeah, like, like literally I was there yesterday with my wife and she had my son and like she went like to go after him because he started to kind of run away and then she came back and she started like bagging the stuff and he's like, are, are you with him? And I'm like, no, she just randomly walked up and started bagging my stuff, dude. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah, she's just a stranger. With a, with a baby in hand too. Yeah, yeah. She's just bringing her kid in here to bag people's groceries. Don't worry about her. Like, what the hell, man? So, yeah. All right. So, you guys broke this legally. It's over. All right. Anyway, let's finish the show. This was a good one. Lots of debating. Lots of opposite takes. I really like this. CJ really mixed it up with us here, man. CJ, you did good, man. You did good. Um, what we do, though, CJ, is when we close this episode out, we like to do what we call like show and tell, where if you have something, it could be a product, a podcast, music, books, philosophy, advice, whatever you want that you want to kind of leave the audience with, something you just want to kind of show and tell, like, you know, back in elementary school, man, like you did in class, you couldn't wait for these days to show off your new toy or whatever it was. So um, if you want to go first, if you have something right on top of your... No, I'll go last. You'll go last? Okay. I'll let Josh go first. Josh, go first, show and tell. What do you want What do you want to tell us about today, man? I have been watching this show called The Sinner on Netflix, and it's like, uh, it's uh, so each season is like a different story, and it's it starts with a crime, and it looks like a really obvious slam dunk of a case. And then there's this detective that's in every season and he like, it, it just, it ends up being different than what everybody thought it was. Nice. It's, it's a great show. It's on Netflix. You said, yeah. Okay. What made you watch Two it? You're like, Ooh, I want to be a sinner. Let's see what this is about. Yeah. So like the sinner is that person that committed the crime and it, you know, it just looks like a gotcha. horrible person. Obviously they did it. They confessed. And then it's not what you think. We'll have to check it out. We'll have to check it out. We'll have to check it out. It's got a lot of seasons for us to binge, right? Just two. Just two. two. Okay. We'll take it. We'll take it. Adam, you got anything? Yeah, kind of. This is like a weird one because I don't normally bring things like this. But (laughs) this past week, I don't know if any of you guys saw, but Elon Musk uh, revealed what he's been kind of hinting at for the last year or so, which is his new invention if you will the Neuralink which he kind of talked about was going to be a way for like people to interface with technology better and then he revealed it this week and I don't know if anybody caught it because to me it really seemed like it was buried in the news cycle but uh it's an implant where they cut open your skull and put a microchip in your brain and I don't know why no one cares (laughs) because this is like some straight dystopian sci-fi stuff, but Elon Musk is doing it. So it seems like most people are really cool with the idea, uh, but it freaks me out big time. So 
I just like to bring it out because I feel like it's something that I haven't even really seen discussed a lot on social media. And uh, I'm just curious how many other people just kind of didn't even see this come out. Yeah, yeah, conspiracy, man. They covered it up with the news, man. They didn't want, <laughs> they didn't want you to catch it, man. They didn't want you to know I, about this. I don't even know about the conspiracy route, but it legitimately is a microchip in your brain, which uh, I don't think you have to be a conspiracy theorist to be a little freaked out by yeah. the idea. No, it's crazy. I listened to a uh, podcast called Wired to be Weird. I've had the uh, I've had him. He's a neuroscientist, uh, Ian. I've had him on the show a couple of times. He actually had an episode. I think it was like 2017 that he did like these two episodes on Neuralink. So that's when I heard a lot about it. But yeah, it's freaky stuff, man. It's freaky stuff. It's kind of cool, kind of freaky. I don't know. Elon Musk is a strange but fascinating dude. <laughs> I want to believe everything he does is right, man. Like, his intentions seem right. I mean, this is the same guy who was warning us about AI. Yeah. Like, saying that it it is a detriment to humanity. And he said and we're already cyborgs. Like, well, yeah, but, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't know, like, I have to laugh about it because to me it just, it seems too dystopian and weird and freaky to me to, you know, see what the possibility could be because technology is one of those things that can become so ubiquitous to society that, like, you can get to a point where not having a piece of technology does not allow you to fully participate in society, Yeah, which yeah. is what things like, you know credit cards or a cell phone or the internet have done yeah. to, to our society now. I was so just going to say the idea that something like that, you know, 50 years down the road could become a more or less requirement to participate in society is kind of a really horrifying, like Philip K. Dick esque dystopian universe that I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of. I hate to break yeah. it to you, Adam, but they'll line up for that bad boy, like an iPhone, man. Oh, they will. They will line up for it. All right. I gotta admit, I was doing a, lot, a whole lot better before I heard that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is legitimately like scary, scary, scary stuff. It's really interesting that it's. It's not interesting. From, it's scary it, as hell. It's <laughs> scary as hell. That's what's interesting. Is it's scary as hell, but nobody's talking about it. And it's like it's not even a conspiracy theory. Like he's doing it. Like they. Oh no, they, I meant conspiracy theory by they're trying to cover it up in the news with other stories. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I just think that, like, that's, to me, the thing that's most alarming about it is, like, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. There, there's no conspiracy. He came right out and is like, we want to put microchips in people's brains that allows them to interface with technology. And it, to me, it's like, I don't want you to put anything inside me that might allow me to be controlled externally. That's That's literally, like... Um, I'll go off on a weird tangent, but the uh, the book series The Divergent, uh, which turned into some really terrible movies in my opinion, but if you actually read the books, the first book is actually very much that exact scenario where uh, kids are being microchipped, and then one day the microchips are turned on, and they become basically soldiers, and it's... Very alarming. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the whole Elon Musk thing, it just uh, it, it feels so weird because it's one of those things that, to me, like, I had heard about Neuralink more prior to them really announcing what it was than I feel like I have in the past week since they actually 
made the announcement of what it is. Like, it feels like it used to be in the news cycle more than it is after they actually announced what it's going to be. Well, Josh is being really quiet, so I think he may be subscribed to that as well already. Uh, <laughs> it says they have a sewing machine-like device capable of implanting very thin threads into the brain. And it has the potential to cure things like paralysis and dementia. Yeah, it was developed by DARPA to the uh, the machine that actually will do the implementation of it. And like, if if you see like the actual chip, they're saying is smaller than like the uh, joint on your index finger. Like it, it could literally fit on the little plate of your index finger. It's it's wild. I don't know, man. And that's how they sell things to us. They tell us, oh yeah, it's good for your health. We can fix this and that, and then bam, ulterior motive. Yeah, it's scary. It's interesting. It's different. And we're freaking CJ out, so we're going to change the topic. Let's go to mine. My show and tell is actually a podcast. As I like to call them, a murder podcast. Adam doesn't like me calling them that. He likes <laughs> it being called true crime, which is what it's really called. But uh, it's a podcast called Cold. I don't know how new or old it is. But uh, I'm in, I don't know how many seasons they have. I'm listening to season one. There may be more seasons than that. I don't know. But I love those podcasts. Similar to the reasons why I like TV shows that I could binge. I could binge them, and I love binging them. I can't, like I mentioned before, I can't do the week-to-week crap with these murder podcasts, as I call them. It drives me crazy. But these ones that I can binge, because they already have the whole thing out, I love them. So, Cold, if you're into true crime podcasts, you should go check it out. Now, CJ, I think we've given you enough time. I hope you have something for us. Yeah, it's going to sound really lame, though, compared to, like, the last couple. That's all right, man. <laughs> it could be just a Bucks rant. It's all right. You can do that. No. 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 I- <laughs> No, I, 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 I can I compl- use this time to complain about Antonio Brown. No, um, I'll do it. Uh, and recording stuff. I'm, no. I'm not a huge, ne- I'm not a huge like network TV guy, but I have to tell you, Blood and Treasure was really well done by CBS. Thirteen episodes, they're all out now. Um, I kind of thought it was going to be a little more like less intense than it was, but it was absolutely awesome. Think like National Treasure, except like take out all the corny parts that are pointless and like actually like have a cool story with some guns and stuff it's pretty cool that sounds dope and what channel is it on it's on cbs it's CBS. all 13 episodes are available online now i gotta check it out yeah i don't really watch a lot of network tv shows either i'm into animal kingdom i don't know if anyone else watches animal kingdom besides me <laughs> but i love animal kingdom it's network tv that's but good to know they got one they've got one fan in the world yeah that's good it's good just like uh ronald jones does um <clears throat> So, so that is all we have for today's episode. Basically, all I got from this is AB is better than Godwin and Elon Musk is taking over the world. But before we go, CJ, I want to let you let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find the website, anything that you want to tell them to go to. Yeah, at the Siege DFS, uh, the company Twitter accounts at ArborPro, ArborPro.com. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, just shoot me a, a, a tweet. I'll see it. I can respond to it. Um, ramping up all our full season content. So uh, just updating rankings, moving Duke Johnson down, moving Antonio Brown down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Worst decision you ever made in your life. I, I, I'm really – I mean, Duke Johnson could come back to bite me. I could see it. But look at the best ball tournaments now, like – it's like there's no reason to take 12th round. There's so many teams that have them like the 17th, 18th. Like I just gotta hope it well, works. AB can come back to frostbite you. Oh, boom, boom. Yeah, I get one of those every episode. Those are my favorites. Anyway, you can find Adam at the other FF guy. You can find Josh at JC Crocker, and you can find me at Clock Dodgers. 
That's it, guys. As always, be kind, be great, keep dodging.